right, welcome back to the Content That Grows podcast. Uh, we're getting back at it this week. I wanted to talk about uh, a topic that comes up for a lot of marketers for various reasons. Um, we hear about it from a lot of clients who who kind of want to better understand um, their investment in content. So I think most SaaS marketers and even based on what we see in social um there's a lot of conversation around content and that return on investment or content ROI. Yep. So this week we're going to dive into that um, and kind of have a discussion back and forth. And uh, I'd like to start out with just like getting some, some ideas from you, Nate, I think uh, from someone who's been kind of in this marketing space, you know, long enough to call it a career. Um, I think I'd like to start with talking about, you know, how has the idea um, or what's important changed for you around content ROI as you've kind of progressed and moved up the ladder? Yeah, I think um, it, it certainly has evolved um, even just in kind of like the the almost nine years that I was at Sprout, like came in and sort of, I see you know, first marketer doing everything. So there was, and, and, you know, I was 25, like it was, it was not, um, I was not super experienced. So, uh, I think you initially, there's a lot of focus, whether it's any marketing or content marketing specifically, it's like, what is the, uh, like, can I get traffic, you know, sort of like step one for a lot of people. Uh, but I think, you know, then there's like cost per lead, um, is where I think a lot of it ultimately boils down to, you know, uh, for a lot of people in terms of like how they think of ROI is, you know, I'm getting, you know, leads or free trials or demo requests at this price and that's acceptable and I'm going to keep doing that. Um, and I would say, you know, over time and certainly evolving into like VP level and, um, you know, having, like more ownership and more responsibility uh, at the level, I think it's pretty natural to kind of move into like, okay, well, not just cost per lead, but like, what's the CAC? Like, what does it actually cost to acquire a customer? And that's where you get much more intelligent around, um, okay, well, this channel generates leads, but they don't turn into customers, um, you know, and then that's just not as helpful. And then I think, you know, ultimately kind of move into like CAC to LTV type of stuff where you're like, okay, well, we can get customers, but now we dig in and understand that, you know, 50% of this channel customers churn after three months. And, you know, some of these are actually better and they grow. And it's like, um, uh, you know, net negative churn on these channels, things like that. So I think it's just like really getting to the point where you understand what's truly impactful for the business long term. Um, I think is sort of the, how that kind of ladders up over time. Um, and so I think that, you know, when you think about from a content perspective, like, no, you should not be measuring every podcast episode or every blog post by, you know, the leads it generates or especially not all the way into, you know, CAC and LTV. Um, but overall kind of understanding how those fit into the the bigger picture and what you're trying to accomplish. And then I think the other piece um, is that, um, you know, trying to just like hit a number for a month or, you know, for a quarter 
has a very short-term perspective and you're going to uh, really double down on the places where there's um, where there's just like a lot more um, attributable ROI. Um, and I think the other piece that I've kind of learned over time is like there are certainly things that you, the ROI, you know, over time, and I think we'll talk about this more today, is actually like progress towards a long-term goal. Um, mm. And so that, you know, I think is is a bit more of a nuance as well and kind of understanding what things should be measured by, you know, immediate ROI and what things are uh, more of a, a progress measurement. For sure. I guess a, a curiosity question I have kind of around this is is like, would you say that your sort of view of ROI as it changed was just a product of like the positions you held at, at those companies? Um, I think yes, to some extent. And I think also just maturing with the company. Like when I started, we literally had no, um, we had no, data on like what actually brought paying customers um like that we i think we finally got that stood up maybe eight months in so like you know initially you could kind of like correlate a little bit and you know google google analytics tracking kind of worked for that but not really um but it took a while to really even get to a point where we had it stood up and and could actually understand that and then that was awesome you know it was like cool whole new world I'm going to cut this, you know, 20% of our spend here because it's actually generating no customers and we really started to get smarter. So some of it was just also the natural evolution of the business. Cause I think if I had come in at that, at the level and the role that I was in into a more mature company, I think I already would have had a fall in line with, with the maturity that they had there. So I would say it was um, probably both my, my role evolving, but also the company maturing, um, I think would be the, the two big things. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Can I can relate to that as we kind of figure out our own like study thing. I, yep. I mean, I thought you asked a really great question and I think running into profound questions helps you sort of learn what the best ROI is or like what potentially is going to generate that. Yeah. But even um, we were chatting yesterday about like finding like, okay, where are the evergreen channels versus the channels where we got to like really, really work? Um, yes to drag out every single lead was just like another way to sort of figure out like, okay, where do these things exist um, that are, I don't want to call it like an easier lift or like easier to execute on, but in some ways there it's like a different type of execution. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you see that with some companies that, um, you know, and like for some companies, events like in-person events are, just genuinely a very good channel for them, just the nature of mm -hmm. their industry and the product and whatever. Um, but like, you know, I've certainly worked, especially on the consulting side with companies that it almost feels like this trap where like, they're like, you know, we have these six events over the course of the year and we have to get this from it because like, we don't have much, like that's the majority of it. And we don't have like this recurring motion and like consistent, um, uh, opportunity generation month by month. It's very, very lumpy. Um, and that, yeah, I think that just gets more, more stressful and also just harder from an ROI standpoint, planning standpoint, all of that to, 
to kind of know what to expect. So yeah, I think the um, totally fine if your business benefits from those things that are, you know, one off or quarterly or whatever, but uh, making sure you have some of the like ways to balance it out uh, with consistent selling is, is really important. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I have to ask this because um, we obviously are seeing a ton of uh, layoffs happen, um, a lot of yeah. predictions about what type of recession we're in, um, bubbles, et cetera. And I'd be curious if you think, um, you know, the, desire, the desired ROI or outcome for content marketing, does it shift uh, for companies or the way they talk about it during these types of economic downturns? Um, yeah, I'd love to get your, your input on that. Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple layers to it. Um, I would say, first of all, like, yes, I think it does, um, shift to some extent. Um, because I think there's just like in paid campaigns that there's, you know, or like paid channels that there's certain campaigns that have maybe been allowed to run less efficiently than they should have been. Uh, and now are, are getting more scrutiny uh, and being shut down. I think there's also quite a few you know different things, whether it's like the strategy and the topics being created for the blog or other types of content that are maybe nice to have and they, we've kind of been doing it and now there's sort of this like, hey, we're not in a growth at all cost mindset, we're in an efficiency mindset. And so we're gonna scrutinize the types of content and some of that stuff. So I think certainly that happens. Um, but I also think that there's, there are quite a few companies that fall into one of two buckets. One is there's sort of the conventional wisdom, which is like, you know, you should not cut sales and marketing and like, like keep doing that in the, in the, in a downturn and like invest for long-term. And so I think a lot of companies who are already investing in content understand the long-term aspect of that and they're continuing. Um, and I think the other camp is the, like the number of companies that like content and, and SEO is far and away their biggest channel and their number one revenue driver and, uh, not something that's a nice to have. And so again, there's probably some level of scrutiny and, and efficiency happening there, but, um, but still having that that long-term view and, and continue to invest in it. So um, like with a lot of things and just kind of in general, I think overall, like the correction is not a bad thing. Like, um, you know, if you scaled up your program and you're just churning out tons of top of funnel content that has nothing to do with, with your audience or really in any way tying to the product ever, um, this could be a good way to kind of naturally you know, end some of that stuff that shouldn't have been happening anyway. So, um, yeah, so I think there's that. And then certainly there's like, from an, again, from like purely an ROI standpoint, I think, um, the people that are looking at it long-term aren't looking for that immediate ROI. Uh, and the people who are expecting immediate ROI and starting to kind of hunker down and have a very short-term view on things are probably, uh, the ones that are, are cutting a bit deeper on the, the content programs. For sure. I guess uh, my follow-up to that would be, you know, if, if you're responsible for coming in and evaluating a content marketing program, like what are the first things you're coming in to look at? 
Um, specifically in a downturn or just at any point? Yeah, I would say specifically in a downturn, but I mean, at any point is Either. also yeah, very okay. valuable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, you know, one kind of actually just kind of builds on what I just said, which is like, um, you know, when you come into something existing, whether there's, you know, 20 blog posts or podcast episodes or whatever, 20 pieces of content or like 2000, like one of the first things is like, does this, does the, like the topics and, and the nature of what's happening, does it ladder up to the positioning and the direction that we want the company to go in? Uh, so again, if you're writing about like, you know, Joey's favorite pizza toppings on friends and, you know, whatever, and like ex somehow expecting that to tie to your business, not great. But if your um, content is at least in some way, even if it's higher in the funnel, kind of laddering into that, then I think, um, you know, that's a positive sign. And then we see with a lot of clients opportunities just to prune stuff that that isn't a good fit, whether it's because they've evolved over time or just it should have been created in the first place. Um, similarly, like, is it aligned to ICP? So that, you know, again, ICP can shift over time. Um, but also like from the qualitative standpoint, like who's engaging with it, you know? And so, um, whether that's, you know, like, um, content that's being clipped up and shared on social or your newsletter or whatever, like who's actually liking and commenting on social posts, who's actually subscribing to the newsletter. Um, you know, again, some of those indicators of like, are we building in the right direction? Are we bringing in the right people? Um, that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> and then I think, you know, from beyond that, it's sort of, um, as much as you can, if it's not a super new program, like just zooming out a bit on like year over year, or even like a three, three plus year trend line of like, just generally what's happening with like audience growth, um, you know, social traffic and organic traffic, um, leads from those channels, like, is this generally trending in a good direction? And then obviously if you do have data on, you know, revenue and some of those things, then that's great. But like, um, I think those are kind of where I would say is, is ultimately the first step, because if you're, if you're not, um, laddered up to the right positioning, the direction of the company, you're not really engaging with ICP, then the third, you know, like traffic and audience growth doesn't actually matter that much um, because you kind of have to start over in some ways because it's just kind of going entirely in the wrong direction. And it doesn't matter if you slap a pretty new CTA on all of your content. Uh, if it's not engaging the right people, it's not going to convert. So um, I think that's typically where I would start looking at it and, and trying to understand like if it's on track or, or where it needs to go. But what I think's interesting about that answer is like we definitely have interacted with kind of the, like the earlier stage companies like seed stage um, yeah. and people who or just like the type of companies, um, you know, like D2C, e-com, things like that, who put a different type of pressure on like or define differently what ROI is. Um, so like. It's interesting to hear you explain ROI in in that example as kind of like directional based metrics, like things you're looking for and how you're communicating yeah. that. Um, 
And just the idea that it might not always be direct conversion revenue within a content right. marketing program, um, which I think is just, it's important to stress because mo- I think most marketers understand that, uh, especially if they've got experience under their belt. But we do occasionally run into folks who just like have a very aggressive way in which they're calculating that ROI. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, everyone, you know, comes into it saying, oh, I understand, you know, SEO takes a year or whatever, which is not true. Like, you certainly have many, many examples of taking people from zero to, you know, whatever in five or six months. Like, it doesn't, it's not like this automatic takes a year thing. Um, But, like, yeah, it's kind of like they'll come in with that perspective of like, I know this takes time, we're building for the long term. But then very quickly, there's sort of these internal pressures for whatever reason to sort of prove that it's working um, or someone's kind of measuring it incorrectly, things like that. Um, And so, yeah, I I agree. I think it's because it's not like I would guess almost every content program ever would get shut down early if it was if it was measured directly on dollars in dollars out. Mm hmm you know, in the first six months or or whatever. Yeah. So I guess the, and maybe you already kind of answered this so we can circle back, but you know, what types of metrics or specific KPIs um, or even just like anecdotal discussion points have you seen work when you're communicating with, you know, executive leadership, um, you know, I'm thinking about revenue or ROI. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think whether it's like a new investment or just kind of like building into new areas or ramping it up, like um, I think it's important to always try to align on how it's going to be measured ahead of time. Um, So I think that helps a lot. Like, you know, when you get four months in, it's like, no, no, we agreed like this was not a, you know, we write these blog posts or we start this podcast and like revenue goes up. We're not measuring it that way. Um, I think that's helpful as a starting point. Um, I think uh, also like an, like agreeing to a cadence for check-ins. Uh, so if you're just in-house and whether you're reporting to a CMO or CEO or whatever, like, um like let's agree to a cadence of check-ins early on and then like just make sure you're not shying away from if it's not working, like, you know, don't try to like skip the meeting and hope that it's going to be working by the next one. Like, um, you know, have that like collaborative time to keep talking through it and figure out what's working, what's not. Um, but I think, you know, you need to come equipped with leading indicators, uh, you know, knowing that it's not going to just jump straight into, um, like we said, like revenue and, and leads and that kind of stuff, but like impressions, um, you know, social impressions, organic impressions, whatever that may be, views, podcast listens, like uh, just generally like how is that trending? Um, engagement uh, with the content, I think is also important. Like um, you can, you, you know, pump out a hundred social posts a day across channels and get, 
you know, a bulk of impressions because you're getting a little bit across each, but doesn't mean anything, you know, if there's not engagement and, you know, again, like if it's newsletter, like subscribers, like there should be a number of those leading indicators that sort of show like we're progressing. We can kind of dig in and make sure these are the right people. Like we feel good about that. We're getting in front of, of who we want to get in front of. Um, and so I think that, yeah, having the, the leading indicators and also those like qualitative aspects of our ICP is engaging, uh, you know, we're getting in front of the right audience, like all that stuff. So, um, I do think that's really the, the early aspects, but, um, so much of that is built on having that alignment up front on how it's going to be measured, when it's going to be measured, when we're going to check in and discuss progress, all that stuff. For sure. I feel like, <laughs> I, I feel like every company I've worked with has had a different set of metrics by which they're measuring ROI. Yeah. And it's fascinating like at first I was very confused about seeing that. Like I was just like, oh, what's going on here? But then it like some of it came down to like culture, like the environment mm -hmm. of the space and like leadership's ability to accept kind of directional data is like, awesome. You're doing great. This is exactly what marketing should be doing. Um, and then others were just like, uh, I'm kind of similar to what I mentioned before, but just like, if it's not a direct conversion, it's not ROI. Um, right. so yeah, just like pretty interesting. And then some of it came down to their tech stacks, like what tools did they have to even like measure yeah. very well or their ability to hire a meaningful data analyst in house, um, who would be better at it than a couple of marketers at interpreting like what's actually happening in a, in yeah. a complex way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The amount of times we run into folks who are adamant that it's, it's important that it's all about lead gen, whether that's, you know, demand gen or however they're phrasing it. And it might be MQLs or SQOs or whatever, but like, um, the follow on question of like, do you have measurement in place for that? The answer is often no. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, then let's pick something that you can actually measure. Cause like, what's the point of that? Um, but I, I do want to clarify, um, because I don't want this to sound like, you know, all, you know, content and, and some of these efforts are like free from ROI calculations because they aren't. Um, I just think that it's, it is truly like a longer time horizon that you're typically needing to look at. Um, and you have to have these leading indicators to know like, that you are making progress towards that. Um, and certainly, I mean, we've also had great examples of literally generating revenue, real new additional revenue for clients within the first six months, you know, just from what we were doing, which wasn't even like an extensive program. Like, it's not that it's impossible. It's just that that shouldn't be your sole marker of that because there are other things that you are using that content for to, to build the audience, to build influence, to build trust, like all those things. And so, um, yeah, I just want to be clear that it's not that it's trying to skirt around like a true ROI conversation. It's just that it doesn't typically end well to try to say, we're going to invest $10,000 a month into content marketing, and it is going to generate a 2.3 X ROI, you know, <laughs> in this amount of time. Sure. Um, 
And so I think there's that. But over time, you know, you do you definitely get to where you have enough happening, you have enough going on. And whether you're looking at, you know, attribution data or you're looking at the data they filled out as you know, how'd you hear about us, sort of like the qualitative stuff in a form, um, you ha- you start to have enough that you can actually piece that together and have a good understanding of, okay, cool, these efforts actually drove, you know, whatever, 600,000 ARR or something like that. Um, and then you do start to, to build on top of that. But it never, even at, I mean, we generated millions uh, every quarter from content, but it it never was well, you know, what's this data report generating from revenue or, you know, what are we, what's, what about PR or what about these case studies? Like it becomes, a, you know, a whole on the program. Um, but there's certainly the need to experience that over time. So I just want to clarify that it's, it's not trying to get out of accountability. It's finding a way to show the, the stepping points up to where you would eventually see more of the, the revenue and the clear ROI picture. For sure. I also think I, I've heard this conversation play out and I can say like personally having direct revenue put on your shoulders as a marketer, if you don't understand that it's this comprehensive thing, can feel like does weird things to you sort of mentally or <laughs> psychologically where you're like, do I just become an SDR? Like how do I directly influence this thing? Um, and then I think, you know, you sort of angle towards as many like short term kind of like short sighted vision of your marketing anyways, where you're just like, okay, every opportunity we take has got to be as close to the bottom of the funnel as possible. Um, or we're not doing ROI, but it gets away from what you've been talking about, which is like, there has to be a long-term growth plan, um, or vision that you're just kind of accepting, like we're generating revenue because we're doing the right things and we have a level of attribution, but that's like my only warning around like spending too much time talking about revenue is the only form of ROI. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a story that I've told, um, before just with like talks or in different folks, but like, I think one of the most pivotal things for me when I look back on it was probably in my first year, I would say at Sprout, I remember having a conversation with Justin, the CEO, and he, I asked, what do you want me to focus on? Is it growth? I, I don't think I said growth at all costs. I think that phrase has sort of been popularized over time. But like, do you want like to grow as fast as possible in, in, you know, in any way possible? Or do you want to build a long-term like business and brand? And he said, I want to build a long-term business and brand. Because um, this was also like, right, it's kind of the the emergence of you know growth hacking and oh you should be growth hacking and like all this stuff and it's like we could do that we could you know sit and tinker and try to like find something or we can just build towards the long term and so i think that became such a like north star thing and almost like a shorthand of like you know is this something we want to do like yeah i'm a little short on my target for this month um but that doesn't mean that i should go like you said just into like sdr mode and just pound the phones and try to like close the gap. I like, I understand, but like, are, do we have the fundamentals in place to hit the number next month? Like that's where you start to focus and like, are we building towards long-term? Um, and then obviously, you know, that ultimately did pay off and 
um, and really did kind of build and compound over the years. But I think, yeah, I think that's, that's an important distinction is like for some companies, it may be like, no, we literally need, you know, the, a short-term view, like growth, 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 um, any way that we can get it for, you know, the next couple quarters or for this year or whatever, like there may be instances where that is what's expected from the CEO. Um, so I do, I do think that matters and varies quite a bit. All right. So I, I think, um, you know, a, a good ending place for this discussion is like, if I, like, how do we approach ROI when we want to do like a new content marketing initiative initiative? So like, from my perspective, it's a little bit of like, what do I need to do? Or what do I need to come prepared with if I'm talking to leadership? about a new initiative I want to run? Like, what are you expecting to see? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, at first, I think I kind of just said that, um, but like every leader is different. So I've had the opportunity to talk with and work with a lot of different founders and CEOs and, you know, and certainly even just talking with marketers who will kind of explain how their CEO views things and like, there's certainly people who've talked to that it's like our CEO wants direct ROI on everything, wants everything measured, whatever, like we run into that uh, and I've run into that. And then there's also people um, who I remember a conversation, uh, the CEO was like, I would put a million dollars into content marketing today if I knew definitively kind of what the plan was and like why we felt like that was the right plan moving forward. Uh, and they're just like, you know, the CEO is just bought in on like that. This is something we want to start now. We want to do it for a long time and it's going to be a big part of our company over the next five to seven years, um, and everywhere in between. So like just understanding the, na the nature of the leader, I think matters. Um, can't paint a big vague picture for someone who's going to want direct ROI, uh, you know, from day one. So that's a big part, um. I think there's a really important thing that's, you know, alignment with long-term goals. And so even if it's not being talked about a lot, any founder, CEO, CMO is going to have a long-term view of like, you know, we want to get to this point and sort of envision that, you know, over the time, like we'll build out a sales team, we'll build out outbound, we'll build out channel partnerships, whatever it may be. Like we kind of know this is like, where we want to head and you generally understand if like content isn't anticipated to be a big part of that or not. And so I think it's important to not try to force content marketing program to be this big, huge part of the mix. If that's not sort of the long-term goals, of the business the CEO is not aligned, whatever, like this is what it is like. Um, so I think there's that, but there are, you know, the number of people that are like, you know, we think we should create, content and be like the next HubSpot or like the HubSpot of our industry, whatever. And so again, that's sort of like, okay, well now we have this long-term goal we're looking at and we're going to talk about how we build towards that. Um, I think there's another, which is like the qualitative feedback from customers on the value of content. So you can sort of understand uh, people that have come in. I think it's always important for 
marketers and everyone to really kind of chat with with customers. And so um, that can be extremely helpful when you can hear some of that and bring some of the like, you know, here, here's some examples of customers talking about how much they love our content, um, which then kind of helps paint the picture. Like this is not just acquisition. This is also retention and customer education and, you know, a number brand building, a number of things there. Um, but I think some of that like f feedback from customers is helpful. Um, I do think you should come in hand with at least a rough estimate, you know, like here, you know, here's kind of what we see from our competitors, you know, here's what their channel mix looks like. They have a podcast and they publish four blog posts a month, or, you know, they're doing whatever other things it might be. Um, and just kind of generally understand like, okay, well, this is their growth. This is, you know, appears from the outside to be kind of what they're doing and, and the cadence in which they're doing it at. So, you know, maybe roughly based on that, if we march at this, uh, and this is what we think it'll cost, then like this is, you know, over the next two years, this is kind of what we'd like to be able to accomplish. Um, and then lastly, I think it's also just important to, in some cases, like you shouldn't be trying to copy your competition or, um, or really worrying that much about what your competition's doing, but, um, there are situations from a content perspective um, where you can point out how much the competition is controlling the narrative um, because of the content. And I think there's some aspects of that, whether it's like, hey, their CEO's on social, you know, and he has 50,000 followers and posts daily and does video content and all this stuff. And like they're, they're out there building so much more influence than us, or it's, you know, the, um, yeah, you know, they have really key middle and bottom of funnel type of content that when people are searching for us versus them, like they're actually the ones coming up, they're controlling the narrative on comparing the two and we don't have a say in it. Um, some of those things I think can also be helpful. So, you know, it's there, like I said, there's not, I, I don't think a clear model, you know, in some cases for large companies like SEO, you can do some projections and modeling. Uh, but for a lot of companies who are earlier on, like it's not, it's not worth trying to build some down to the decimal point projection, you know, like it's, it's gotta be, um, a combination of those things that I just mentioned, which to recap, I guess are understanding that every leader is different. So kind of understand those nuances, um, try to get alignment on what you're wanting to do towards the long-term goals of the company. Um, qualitative feedback from customers on kind of like the value of your content, rough quantitative estimates on like timeline and impact, and then um, examples of where potentially the competition is controlling the narrative or openings where you think you have the opportunity to be the ones controlling the narrative. Can we, can we try like, a, can we try an example, like a specific example? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't so have one. Do, do I get to be the, you get to, the yeah, you, yeah, you get okay. to be the approver. Right. So, um, and I'll see if I can come up with su supporting things I have, but, um, like, let's suppose we will just use kind of sprout. Right. Um, okay. and I think there's opportunity for, um, an entire social media course, it's a certification course, 
similar yeah. to what you see. You know, like SEM Rush has their academy, things like that. But I'm like, I think I want to take advantage of this. Yeah. Um, like, what are some of your initial thoughts on like what you would need to greenlight that project? Um. Yeah, I think you know initially my thoughts would be probably some questions around who the course is ultimately targeting. Mm -hmm. um, and if that in some way ties to like a reasonable expectation that they would become customers. Uh, so like, is it just going to be that now a bunch of professors in colleges encourage their students to take this course, mm -hmm. you know, as part of their course, um, or is it, you know, genuinely people who are going to do that, you don't like post the certification on LinkedIn, like leverage that to get a job and then, you know, ultimately have a little bit more bottoms up, but like some impact on, on being able to like choose Sprout to be their tool to, to work with. Um, so I'll probably have some questions around what the courses are like, you know, a beginner basics of that type of certification, uh, or, you know, Academy may not be as impactful as, um, you know, for Sprout, like how to use listening to, you know, improve product development or, you know, some of these use cases that you know within the business that ultimately would maybe bring some more qualified or larger type of clients or, or things like that, uh, customers like that. So, um, that would probably be one as aspect of it, you know, a rough idea of cost. Um, because again, this is a great example that like, yes, it's content. Yes, it should be ultimately ICP aligned, but like, it's not going to be this super clear, you know, you know, 50 people took this course and eight of them became customers within 30 mm -hmm. days. Like you're talking about a, a longer planting a lot of seeds and it's going to take time. So I would say, you know, cost now that you kind of want to like figure out how that pans out over time, um, you know, cost to maintain that. Yeah. Without getting, you know, deep into logistics of it, I guess. But, um, but I would say that's kind of the, the big ones. It's like, what's the content? Who are we trying to actually attract? Um, you know, like do, how do we feel that this kind of ladders up towards the, ultimately what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and then just, you know, understanding just generally some of the costs around it. For sure. Yeah. Would and obviously the, yeah, it, initial before you get into the details. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously depends on the context of like what already lives and exists and efforts have you done, etc. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it, similarly, if someone said, you know, also at Sprout said, we want to start a podcast. I think, a lot of those same things apply. Like, what is it about? Who are we ultimately trying to attract? Like, generally, what's cost? Um, and I think, you know, in that case, there would also be the question of, like, maybe more so than, like, a certification type of thing. Like, how, like, how else? I would want to know, like, how else does this weave into the overall content strategy and 
mm-hmm. make everything better. In which case, you would be able to provide a lot of examples of linking to podcast episodes from blog content and embedding episodes into certain things and sure. a lot of that stuff. So, um, yeah. So I think there's a lot there, but you know that would be my some of my initial thoughts, I guess. Nice. Because I, I, yeah. Sorry. Last point is like, you know, again, say. CEO is obviously like, whatever, say it's $50,000 to do that. Like I have $50,000. Should I get another SDR to generate, you know, X or should I get, you know, put it in towards like engineering and product development or, you know, any of these different things Mm -hmm. uh, is ultimately what a CEO is trying to think of. But even from like what my role was kind of like, all sort of like acquisition dimension, like even that is like, okay, do you want us to use budget on academy and certification or should that go into, you know, doubling down on this paid channel or should it go towards, you know, doing four more or however many more webinars this year or, ramping up blog content or whatever, like there's still all these like questions of where's that money best spent and mm-hmm. less of a yes or no to your particular idea. Um, I think is probably one of the most important contexts uh, when thinking about something like that. For sure. Oh, I think that's good. It sort of sounds like <laughs> ROI is often a little muddy. It's just sort of a like contextualized value with the hopes that you're not, not with the hopes it's contextualized value and revenue. Yeah. Equals ROI. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's a weird thing that I think that the trap of like, trying to measure it in the same way that you would measure paid channels is really, uh, I think a negative thing. Cause even now, like say walk into a company that's generating 200,000 in new MRR every year from like, they have this base of content and they get organic traffic and they get referral traffic and all this stuff and they have blog posts and they have a podcast episode and they have some videos and they have some recorded webinars is $200,000 every year. Or we'll we'll say whatever. Um, yeah, $200,000 in MRR every year. So that's 2.4 million. Are you measuring the 2.4 million it generates every year now versus what you're putting into it? Or are you measuring it across the last five years and everything you put into building that up now? You know, like there's so many questions of like truly trying to measure that, that I just don't think makes sense to even try to do that. Like, that's not the point. The point is, are we building towards the long-term? Awesome. We're generating 2.4 million in new ARR every year from this stuff. And we're going to continue to build on it and continue to scale that up. And yes, we'll be critical of things that we should or shouldn't be doing and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, I think getting into like a true, like I said, like this is a 2.3x ROI, 
like it's just sort of a, a silly thing at any level um, to try to really nail that down because there's so many variables to it. Nice. Yep. Well, I, th I think we've gone on now for close to 45 minutes. So. Yeah, cool. Uh, not surprising that this one went a bit longer, but um, yeah, this is this is a, a great topic and, and good to kind of chat through a lot of the the nuances of of how this topic comes up and what people are dealing with uh, on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, thanks for, for all the time. If you're still listening, uh, thanks for, for hanging with us and, uh, please be sure to check out, um, any of the past episodes we have, uh, you can find those at 10 speed.io slash podcast. Um, certainly would love to have you subscribe, uh, Google, Spotify, Apple, any of the uh, podcast applications you do that. Um, and we are, you know, essentially on a, a weekly cadence at this point. So, um, you know, we'd love to have you subscribe and get those uh, fresh to you each week. So uh, thanks again for tuning in.